You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. I'm going to introduce Bryant up. Um, Normally, Johnny would do that, but Johnny is currently um, speaking at the Germantown Congregation um, of Circle of Hope. Um, So Bryant is speaking here today, and I can introduce him very easily because we've been married for almost a decade. Um, Bryant Burkhart, he is a seminarian. He graduated with his master's last year from Claremont um, University. He is a deep thinker. Um, He is a sensitive person and a compassionate person. Um, And he daylights as a carpenter. So he's got a lot to recommend him to teaching. Um, And he's got a lot of varied skills he's going to talk about some interesting things that he has not told me about yet. Yeah. The what? Not going to lie, getting introduced by your partner is super humbling and incredibly honoring and hard to take sometimes in the best way possible. I set this up as a little object lesson, but honestly, I'm a little terrified of it now. So if it pops, that's part of it, but it will make a mess. So Um, let's get set up today. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here. Um, I was going to print out my talk and then... Our printer is broken, so I'm going to do the best I can on my phone and uh, try to keep from crying. It's uh, super, been a part of Circle of Hope for, I don't know what year it is, 15 years? It's been a big part of my, it's been a bedrock of my adult life, so it's an honor to be here today and to share something with you all. Um... Yeah, I'm just going to try and do my best to be honest and vulnerable, and um, we'll get through this together. So, uh, the first time that I, let's start with a little memory, the first time I threw my back out, I think I was, I think I was 23, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know, Megan might remember. It's happened a lot of times, so it's hard to keep track, but the first time I remember I was leaning over a bed of a pickup truck at work when I worked at Habitat and I was trying to move a bag of concrete that I had just put down. I don't know if you've ever tried to move something that's like 80 pounds when you're doing this. It's very bad for you. Don't recommend it. And I felt something like pinch in my back and I thought, that seems bad. And then I went and worked the rest of the day. Um, I was installing baseboards, so I was crawling around on the floor, standing up, kneeling, standing up all day. I didn't work the rest of the day. I got to about lunchtime and I said, I can't do this anymore. I talked to my boss and I went home, um, which was the right decision. Um, It was, it was really, it hurt really, really bad. I was sitting at home, like trying to do yoga poses or like anything, stretching to do anything to relieve the pain. And it didn't do anything. All I could do was just like kind of lay down and wait for it to pass. 
I think, actually I think that night I tried to power through like I often do. We, I think Johnny picked Megan and I up from our house in, from, Johnny lived around the corner from where I was living at 17th and um, Susquehanna with Luke actually. And we went and we drove down to the to Kelly Drive and we were sitting in the park and I was just like sitting there in excruciating pain like what am I doing here? <laughs> Hanging out with my friends. Um, but the friends meant a lot to me. But I don't recommend pushing through back pain if you have that. <laughs> um, over the next seven or so years, that injury continued to be, and continues to be, kind of a constant companion. Um, some days on bad days it would pop up, often it was okay. I was working full time so I was, able, I was building the muscles that I needed to, but like, back injuries never really go away. Um, and I just kind of ignored it. I was just like, I'm young. I'll heal, it's fine. I don't have the time to take off work, to go to the doctor, to try and find help. And then there was one day I remember I was working downtown and I was like, you know what? It's a beautiful day. I think I'm just gonna walk home. It was pretty close to the Schuylkill River Trail. We live pretty close to the Schuylkill River Trail. And I just like, I was walking home on this trail and I realized that I like, my tread was weird. I was hobbling. Um, my, my, my left tread, I could walk normally, but my right tread, I had to, it was very short because I couldn't extend my legs. And I thought, this is not good. I can't walk. Um, I can barely walk. And I've hit a, I hit a point, a breaking point. And I finally went to physical therapy. I talked to my doctor. He like gave me some, gave me some like muscle relaxants, and I went and I was able to go back to work the next day. But um, uh, it was a real wake up call. I was hitting a point where um, I think the other reason I wanted to walk home, aside from it being a beautiful day, it was the middle of the pandemic, and I was like, I probably shouldn't ride the bus. I spent so long just not listening to my body telling me what it needed, that I got used to the pain and that I got used to doing things in a way that hurt me. And it was, um, and then, until it hit a point where it was a breaking point and I had to stop. And it was a really hard time. Like, I mean, I was still going to work. I was taking ibuprofen or Tylenol every day, which is also not great for your body. Like, it's, can, in the long term, it can really ruin your um, GI tract. So if you're doing that, Talk to a physical therapist, it's highly recommended. Um, but there was something so difficult about that time, about feeling like my body was betraying me, or like my past self was betraying me, like oh, I should have worked out more, I should have stretched more. Now I'm, and I felt really useless. I get a lot of my affirmation, my sense of self from the things that I do, from my work. So it was really hard to not be uh, good at that anymore. Every night I would come home and I would just lay on the couch, my back spasming. Then I would like get up and make dinner or whatever and just try and work through it. And I know that I have a, the fact that I'm standing here now doing pretty well, it's a huge honor and a privilege and it's because of the work that I've been doing. Um, but it was really hard to get to that point, you know, right around when you're turning into your 30s when you're like hitting that point where you're like, I'm not a kid anymore, I have to start taking care of myself. <laughs> um, and it had to come because for me, from a breaking point. Um, 
Yeah. And recently, I guess I've been feeling that breaking point in a different way. Um, I've been feeling that pain and difficulty in like a spiritual and an emotional level. I think, too, if I'm honest with myself, I've been feeling it for a while. Um, perhaps even before the pandemic, but things have just been continuing to layer on. Um, and it hasn't gotten in. Hmm? Your mic dead. My mic dead? It is dead. I'll use this one. Thanks, Will. Do you know when it cut out? Um, a couple minutes ago. I'm. So, <laughs> sorry, Zoom. Uh, my back is bad. Listen to your body. That's where we're at so far. <laughs> um, I think I've been experiencing. Oh, okay, great. I've been experiencing that pain on like an emotional and a spiritual level. I was saying I was feeling really burnt out and I'm feeling all these things, I think for a long time, but like my back, like my body, I just didn't listen to it. I was like, I'll be fine. Um, I thought I could push through it. I thought maybe, you know, the next season there's gonna be a revival or something. <laughs> We're always just waiting for the magic fix or I'm always waiting for the magic fix. I don't wanna project all over everyone. I tried to tell myself it was just a season, but that season never really came. And I've been feeling my emotional muscle, muscles growing tight and rigid. I could feel that I'm like building, you know, a spiritual scar tissue over my heart and I've stopped, started retreating and I've stopped feeling. And then when we got the news about Johnny getting a new position and us losing the building, and this is after years of struggle and frustration within the church, um, it really felt like the bottom dropped out for me. All the pain and anger and frustration that I'd been experiencing and ignoring surfaced, just like Tylenol and ibuprofen, you know, a drink a night. I wasn't taking the Tylenol at the same time as drinking, just heads up. A drink a night, turn, a drink a week turned into a drink a night. And, uh, you know, I began turning to these emotional pain relievers, if you will. Um, and I hit a, and it's like, I mean, this isn't an, addic an addiction story. Like I hit a point where I was like, Lent is a good time to stop and reflect. But I did hit a point where I was also like, hey, maybe I should slow down with, my, with myself here. But I don't wanna just like talk about and complain about scars or my pain. I think we're all feeling that. And I hope that you're, if you're feeling that, you can connect with that. Um, but I want to say that, like, yeah, if you're, this has been a really hard season for you, you're not alone. We're in this together. I'm here with you. But I also want to take this analogous relationship between our bodies and our hearts and want to share some of what has brought me healing with my body and hoping that it can help bring me healing um, in my heart and you too. As you can tell, I'm doing a lot better now. My back feels a lot better most days. Actually, it's the best I've felt in several years. Um, some of it, Honestly, was circumstantial. I had my shoes were too small, and so I would do like dumb stuff, like bend over like this instead of kneeling. Little things like that add up. But also, I went to physical therapy and I started doing some of that work, and that also really helped. In physical therapy, I was realizing something that, despite all my frustration and fury, it was my body. All that pain was my body trying to protect me. Um, I had old habits that were hurting me, my shoes too small, 
Um, I had acid reflux, so it was, it was just things that made it hard to bend over, so you just kind of end up doing a lot of stuff that's bad for your back. Where I wasn't lifting very well, like I work a fairly um, physical job in construction, you have to be very aware of how you're lifting things. I was doing it wrong. It's weird to hit a point where you have to stop and unlearn an entire lifetime of habit and ritual. And this pain was my body overcompensating for the damage. So like I had some damage probably on my left side. So my right side always hurt because it was struggling. It was tightening. It was overworking trying to protect me. Without healing and without recovery, I would have remained kind of trapped in that cycle, I think. It's a cycle that I've seen and experienced numerous times. Anytime you have surgery, anytime you got my finger in a table saw, or I had a surgery a couple years ago, you get scar tissue, and if you don't work with that scar tissue when it's young, it will get hard and it, will, it, will get, um, it won't be very flexible and it will restrict you. And it, but it is the sense of that, that pain is our body telling us, like, hey, it's trying to tell you something. And me being the bullheaded person I am, being wanting to be strong and masculine or whatever that means, um, just meant like push through. I gotta get the paycheck, I'm just gonna keep working, take some medicine, it'll go away. And I think our hearts work the same way. Our, um, our hearts work the same way. We build up layers of scar tissue around, and inflammation around the painful places that we hurt. We begin to calcify and overcompensate for past damages. We get trapped in our attempts to avoid our past traumas and then we even start re redoing those on the people around us. One of uh, the more famous sayings of Jesus is that he talks about this idea of, he says in, actually in three of the Gospels, um, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins will burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are ruined. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. That's Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5, if you want to look it up. So there's something in the, so it's like it's appeared in these three places. So it means, um, at least for me, it means that that's something that's really important for the Christian tradition. But I've also heard this passage being used, weaponized, like in real rough ways a lot, um, including here at Circle at times. Um, I've heard tons of, not so a lot of more conservative people might read it. No, I don't want to just say conservatives, but some, a lot of scholars in a very predominant reading of the text is that, is this a pretty anti-Semitic reading where Jesus is saying like, Jews, the Jewish people, my people, your old wineskins, baby, leave it behind. And like this sense of they're not with us anymore. They're not loved by God. They're used up and they're to be discarded. That old word, the old wineskins, the old word literally means like used up or, or trash um, or um, incapable to be used. And I want to like firmly reject that reading. I think we can talk about what it means. Eh, I don't want to get into theological. I just don't want to reject that. Like, that's, that's bad. <laughs> like, uh, we have enough anti-Semitism in the world. We don't need to be adding to it through our Christian tradition. But I've also heard it a lot in evangelical church planning spaces. 
we look, it just kind of creates a sense of exceptionalism. We're the new wine. We're the way that God's showing himself to the next generation. And um, when I was 20, that was really attractive. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I think there, there's something bad there. I don't love that. It creates a sense of difference and exceptionalism that, where we are like looking down on other traditions. We're looking down on other Christians. We're looking down on other ways of doing the faith. Um, and I also think that it, we are always reading ourselves as this new thing. I don't know if that just comes from American culture. Like this, we're always chasing newness. We're always looking to be the new wine. But I think that we have to, I think instead that maybe we should be reading this as those old wine skins. I'm wondering what it means to be those old wine skins. Um, I think in the passage surrounding this text, um, as I was reading it, I noticed a few things. First of all, this is in a section where Jesus is meeting with religious leaders from his community, and they're asking him different questions. The passage immediately before the wineskin question, they ask him, like, why, do you, why don't you fast? Why don't you like, eat and drink? Why do you eat with, sorry, why do you eat and drink with social outcasts, with sinners, with tax collectors? Why don't you fast? Why don't you follow these religious habits that we think are really important for our community? And then Jesus responds, it is not the sick who need a physician. Or it's not the, well, it's not the healthy who need a physician, but the sick. You don't put new wine into old wineskins. Those things, I think that sense of health and of hurting and of needing a physician are really tied with this sense of new and old wineskins. And so for me, this passage, reading it, as someone who's feeling a bit like an old wineskin was really revitalizing. And I think that's where the metaphor kind of runs out. There's, a, there's not much you can do once a wineskin is brittle and old. It's hard to rejuvenate that, that situation. But um, I want to believe in that hope. I want to believe in the sense that God is calling us in to be to be renewed and to be cared for. Um, we who are sick and brittle and starting to leak at the sides, we who are sick and in need of a doctor, we who are waiting for the mother hen to gather and protect us between her mighty, beneath her mighty wings and claws, I don't think we're doomed to be eternally old wineskins. I don't think that we have to be stuck in this sense of trauma and pain and condemnation. I think Christ is here calling us back to health and back to redemption and back to newness. But I also think that requires the kind of healing and training and care that addresses our deep hurts and wounds right now. Because at least for me, I don't think I can contain that new wine right now. I'm feeling a bit like this balloon that is looming this entire meeting um, next to me. I know that for me at this, at this time, especially the past couple months, I'm just reacting and I'm bouncing from pain to pain. If that's not your experience, I'm really happy that it's not. But that's where I'm at, and that's something that is, I've felt amongst other people as well. But I want to believe there is hope. I think I have to believe there's hope. And so I want to return to this analogy of my back, of physical therapy, of healing, because it's something that I feel like I've experienced 
in a way that, that is tangible that I can look to. And so I've got like kind of three, I would call them steps, but it's more of a cycle, it's more of patterns of being. First of all, I think times we, uh, in times we all need rest. When you, are f when you have a fresh wound, you need rest to let your body to heal. Um, that's true when you throw your back out. That's true when someone hurts you. That's true when you feel like um, you're losing something that has been an intimate part of yourself for most of your adult life. When we're hurting or in pain, it's crucial that we listen to ourselves and give ourselves some space. We have to allow that pain to become non-critical. We have to allow ourselves to heal. And when inflammation decreases, we can work through that pain. Because we can get trapped in that sense of retreat, in that sense of resting. I think at times, not I think, at, if you wait too long in, in physical therapy, there's a fine balance between rest and atrophy. When you rest for too long, your movement, your strength and your muscles, you start to lose it. And you start to lose the ability to use them. And, my therapist would always say, you've got to use it or lose it. And that's like a, a big thing. Um, but you also have to rest first. There's a, there's a tension there. You have to listen to yourself. Um, if your spiritual and emotional health are important to you, like I think most of you that are here, it is. It's going to take some training and sweat and tears after we get past resting to start to use those muscles again. But also, it's going to take some wisdom to not over overdo it and over-traumatize yourself. It's a slow and steady work that takes a long time. I don't know what it looks like for you. For me, it's taking, and I'm back in therapy. I'm talking to a therapist. Um, I'm really glad that I have health insurance that helps me do that. It's been helpful. But it's also um, talking things through with Megan, my partner, having dinner with friends and talking this through with them. Um, being vulnerable and open with the people that I care about and trying to like find a sense of commonality going forward, regardless of what happens to Circle of Hope as an institution. Um, that's been really healing for me. And it's been little things. Um, I like to paint my nails. It's exciting. You know, every once in a while you're doing something and you're just like, oh, well, pop a color. I like to go to shows. Um, I like to bake bread. Um, I like to cook for people. Those things also are bringing me emotional and spiritual repair, and they're allowing me to rest so that I can get back to start exercising the spiritual muscles. Try and find things that make you feel good and fulfilled, but also stretch you beyond your comfort zones. And step three is to be vigilant and take it slow. Like I said, these are ways of being in a long road Listen to your body and listen to your hurt and your pain. Try not to ignore it when you're hurting. Set boundaries. Um, I know that this a lot of this is like really simple and redundant. Maybe um, I didn't know what else, where else to go um, with this talk. If you work too hard, it's really easy to open up old wounds. Um, when I was healing from my splenectomy. It was really easy to push myself too hard, and then that night I'd be laying in bed like, oh no, what did I do? Um, and also to have grace when that happens, because it's inevitable, like we're gonna push ourselves too hard, it's, it's always gonna happen. 
and we turn, return to rest, return to step one or whatever, and go through the cycle again. We have each other, and we're here together. Um, I wish I had more concrete examples. I think these are things that my community, that you guys have taught me how to listen to my body, to be more in touch with it. I'm still not very good at it. <laughs> I'm still someone who pushes myself too hard and regret it. Um, but being with you all has been incredibly healing and helpful, but also um, sometimes this space, this building is hard for me to be in, for example, um, emotionally. I don't know what it is. That's something that I've started realizing through this Lenten season. We can't always just immediately go back to, be, to containing new wine. Um, sometimes I think we have to heal in order to contain it. Now before we have talk back, I wanted to take this time to take communion together. New wine fermentation can be really explosive and violent. It's also incredible and awe-inspiring, and it's a tool and it's a gift. This idea that there is life just existing in the air around us is amazing. I set this up at the beginning, and as you saw, I have it on a little hot plate, so it keeps it nice and warm. It gives, it, gives the yeast the conditions it wants to grow. It's not sourdough, it's just yeast from a bag. I, I, my, I killed my sourdough during pandemic at some point, and I just haven't gotten around to it again. But I love, the, I love the image of yeast. I love baking bread. I love working with this thing that's growing. Right? It's literally growing. I was worried it was going to pop. That's why I moved it earlier. I didn't want to ruin our nice spread here. There's an awe-inspiring power in the act of yeast cells dividing. The small, slow growth of these tiny cells, the division of them in a loaf of bread or in a liter of wine, it can bend, um, can bend steel kegs, it can burst open plastic containers, it can shatter glass jars. I've, se I've seen it happen. I was watching a lot of those videos on YouTube. <laughs> Got really into viticulture this week. Decided to not tell you how wine is made, but it's just yeast and grapes. But if, without the proper conditions, if you're not tending to it, it can go really wrong and send glass shards flying everywhere. But there's also beauty and goodness that comes from that. Yeast consumes the sugars and the flour and that and releases air and the air gets trapped in the gluten and then that makes our, air, our bread nice and light and airy and tasty. It helps our bodies digest it and it makes it more nutritious for us. Why it turns wine from just juice, from grape must, from this pulp to something incredible and beautiful. Fermentation is not only the heart of cooking and flavor, but it's the heart of the gospel. I'm still, I don't think the balloon's gonna pop now, so I'm a little less worried. I was really worried it was gonna explode. Um, and I think that we are given healing and power in Christ to contain and work symbiotically with the bubbling yeast. We're called to contain new wine and pour out this goodness in the world around us. But if you're hurting right now, we need to heal first. We have to take time to prepare ourselves for that newness, prepare ourselves for God's grace and God's spirit with us. We have to take time to soften our gaze and lower our guards in order to receive communion, to receive God's goodness. Now, during the pandemic, I've really loved these, these communion cut things. 
They've allowed us a way to be safe with one another. They've allowed us a way to take communion in a way that is respectful for those who are immunocompromised. But I also think that I don't, but I don't love them. They don't, ins they don't inspire anything for me. Um, so we have those here, if you are immunocompromised or if you feel uncomfortable taking these elements. But I've also made this bread. There's plenty of it. And I've bought this wine. It is non-alcoholic for, for all of you, for anyone who is in recovery. This is a safe space. We are welcoming you. But, yeah. Um, so we're going to take communion here in a moment. Wes, can we get, uh, Will, sorry, can we get the, um, we're going to skip this. Can we go straight to this? Yeah. And I hope you can join me in partaking in this bread and wine. Um, those who are immunocompromised or for any reason um, still uh, do not want to, there's no pressure. You can take, you can choose however you like. But um, as but uh, I want to take communion together. If you're on Zoom, I recommend, uh, it's not recommend, get something that uh, allows you to partake in this act with us. You can get a drink and a piece of bread or a, be or a piece of food at home. You're with us in spirit, you're with us in community, and you are welcome at this table. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us on the night that Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and... Uh, he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me then he took the wine and said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this wine drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes as you come forward all are welcome kids are welcome as well if they would like to partake I encourage you to select the elements you wish to take there's no judgment at the table of Christ breathe deep the scent of fermentation I'm going to Carefully pop this balloon and we'll see if we can get some fermenting smells wafting over us here. And think on the ways in which you're feeling old and cracked and hurting in need of a physician. Christ is with us at this table and he hears your prayers. He comes bearing the healing we need and the hope we seek. That's what I'm clinging to right now. Thank you all for listening. Um, let's take a moment and pray. Dear Lord, meet us at the table. Meet us um, in yeast, in grape, in flour. Meet us in the ways that we are with one another, the ways we eat together, and bring us hope and healing. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.